Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. What's happening? Oh man, what isn't happening? How are you doing? I am doing okay. I am uh, I am having watched MVP Most Vertical Primate. I am feeling fine. Me too. And for those of you who are not aware, MVP2 Most Vertical Primate is a 2001 film, the second in the much ballyhooed MVP series. The film's title character, Jack, is a fictional chimpanzee who discovers the wonders of skateboarding. It's uh it's it's strange that uh he he discovers the wonders of skateboarding after a, a career as a hockey player in in uh, in MVP one, and and it was the only point in the movie where I thought, man, I I guess I should have watched the original MVP because I was a little confused as to how he had a career as a hockey playing chimpanzee and then ended up back at the like the monkey commune place that he was living at. There was some unanswered questions, Kevin, and frankly, I felt a little. Uh, I felt a little ill at ease not knowing what the backstory that what it was not enough uh, uh, to make me go and watch MVP one podcasting demerits for both of us, because I also yes. <laughs> did not watch MVP one. And, you know, I felt like maybe it could have benefited from a little opening credits montage explaining that this monkey was a professional hockey player. And because he just sort of goes back to the hockey world out of nowhere. Well, right. It it seemed to me that it was like, should there have been much of a surprise that a former hockey playing chimpanzee would be drafted to be uh, in the starting lineup of the of the Seattle primates? (laughs) Like, it seemed like he would be like number one draft pick. I don't know why there was uh, much of a of a of a tension there. But no. And I mean, to be fair, uh, I have young children that I watched this film with and they had no issue with the fact that the monkey, they were just like, oh, the monkey's a professional hockey player. Of course. Sure. I mean, you know, it, it, as a matter of fact, I have zero children. And I also, you know, as I was watching the movie, I, uh, I, I had a pretty good time watching it. I have to, I have to admit there were, the stakes were low enough where I was like, I'm just going to tuck in for this and, and see where it takes me. And, and, it was a it was a thrill ride to be sure, Kevin. Yeah, is this a good movie? No, uh, it's but it's also like it's a movie made for I think very young children, and I think as that it succeeds somewhat. Well, I, you know, I, I I liked that a lot of the um, the sort of the tropes of children's movies that I remember being delighted by as a kid were still sort of up, you know, front and center, like the idea of like a runaway kid living in this sort of like super fun skateboard fort where he, you know, lived, you know, right in the, in the, in the, you know, the, the, the clubhouse of a former swimming pool where he had access to a, to a pool to skate all day in an alleyway with all these retrofitted plywood 
you know, ramps and stuff. I I thought, well, that, you know, the idea of there being like this sort of like, you know, uh, him building this, this like idyllic little skateboard world for him to, for him to, to use was pretty cool. I, I definitely identified with that. Yeah. And I think this movie follows in the tradition of, professional sport playing animal films of which there are more than you'd think. I think there are a lot of live action Disney movies like Gus, the the mule who played football. There's air bud, the dog that plays basketball. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, this movie is sort of part of the air bud universe. I don't know the answer to that. Honestly, I think it's made by the same company. It's distributed by Keystone entertainment. I think they're, you know, their bread and butter is films where animals play professional sports. I, I just, I remember seeing some sort of Airbud branding on like the the posters and stuff when I looked it up. So I thought, okay, well maybe, you know, perhaps in this universe, there is an Airbud and also a uh, hockey playing skateboarding chimp. Maybe like the Avengers, there's like eventually going to be an Olympics, a movie set at the Olympics or the X Games where Airbud and uh, Jack the Chimp and, you know, Louis, the curling ocelot, all get together and win the gold. <laughs> well, and apparently Jack does go on to become a, a, a kind of a, a player of more extreme sports because I believe in MVP3, it's a more of a snowboarding film. So Jack has really kind of got the, the extreme sports market kind of handled at that point. I think they call it MXP. Ah, because he's well, most extreme primate. That 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 works out for the branding. I think the only thing I had a tough time with, for some reason, seeing the chimpanzees wearing shoes bothered me a lot, and I'm not sure why. I just they didn't want to be wearing those shoes, man. You can put on like a, a hockey jersey and a baggy t-shirt or whatever. But those shoes, you could, like, the chimp felt, I felt like the chimp was like, get the fuck, get these shoes off of my feet, please. And the fact that the shoes were clearly fastened to the skateboard to facilitate the the skateboarding, I was kind of like, oh, man, that monkey doesn't want to be wearing those shoes. (laughs) He's not, he's not, he's not having a good time wearing those fucking sneakers. Oh, man. It was, um, I was impressed, like, the plot of the rival hockey team to get, Jack thrown out of the hockey league to like pretend that I didn't, I couldn't tell if Jack actually bit the player or if the player like faked that Jack bit him. Oh, he he faked it. Yeah. There's that whole scene where they've got the, like the bloody, he's got like a, a bloody glove, like covered in ketchup before he goes out there. And then they, they like lure him into the, into the, the tangle up in the net. And then he, and he claims having been, having been bitten. He was, he was a patsy. I didn't like it. No, but then they let Jack back into the league, no questions asked, at the end of the movie. Yeah, later on, it's all forgotten. I, you know, and that, that, that was the other thing that I, I got the sense, and I'm not sure if you picked up on this. Did it, did it seem to you as, as though they, like, filmed an entire sequel to Most Valuable Primate that had no skateboarding in it and then ended up with, like, it seemed like they, that was an entirely separate film. And then it felt to me like in the editing room, they were like, oh, we have 63 minutes of a movie. We've got to add another element to this thing. And they sort of shoehorned in the skateboarding element after the fact. I would say it's either that or the first most valuable primate 
ran long and they had extra footage and we're like, well, we can only shoot half a movie now. Right. That, 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 yeah, it's, it seemed to me that the plot in my head was that his, his homeboy chimp goes to like find him. That seemed like the movie, but you're right. It's possible that it was just a bunch of extra hockey playing chimpanzee footage they were like all right pat it out yeah i also you know it's funny an unlikely connection uh between the 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 um the movie we watched last episode street dreams uh the presence of a young ryan sheckler who was uh who was the um the other skateboarder kid in street dreams who was the a young uh contest skater in uh mvp so that was interesting nice to see and uh Bob Burnquist shows up in this too. Bob Burnquist, who really, it really felt like Bob was like, "All right, I'll I'll do you this favor." Like he like showed up, he did some pretty awesome skateboarding, and uh, and yeah, but was like on screen for like eight seconds of the movie. Um, you know, it it made me think to answer sort of a, a a question from the last episode, which was, you know, at one point at the beginning of. Street dreams, you talk about all the skateboarders who identify themselves as street skateboarders. The other percentage identify as Bob Burnquist-esque skateboarders, like big giant ramps, purpose built to do big weird giant tricks and uh and uh full pads and lots of vertical skateboarding action would be the other kind of the other side of that whole thing. And Jack the chimpanzee. Seems comfortable doing both. He really does seem like he's uh, he's a multi-talented cat or, well, chimpanzee, not cat necessarily. But, yeah, he uh, he takes to the world of skateboarding very quickly. I would say two of my kids watched this movie and I think enjoyed it. One of them, like one of my, my four-year-old twins, like got about 10 minutes in and was like, I'm just going to go play with these Batman figures now. Fair enough. But the six-year-old and the other four-year-old. You know, they watched it. Um, it didn't seem to make much of an impression. They have never asked about it since or been like, can we watch another one of those extreme sports monkey movies? So I don't know, like, I don't know how successful this is as a kid's film. I know sometimes for parents, when movie theaters were a thing that existed and you're, you know, say it's like a really hot day out and you don't have air conditioning or conversely, a really cold day. And it's like, I just want to get these kids out of the goddamn house. What's a movie that's playing you know, that's appropriate for young children. And I think any movie like this will do a certain amount of business based just on that, because, you know, you're selling tickets to the parent and the kid. It's double the box office. Right. And you don't have to worry that there's like even a chance that there'll be anything inappropriate that happens. It's uh, everybody was wearing their pads. Everything was done very safely. I like that. the I like that the kid uh, in his, in his uh, pursuits on a skateboard, full pads at all times including the the messenger bag that he didn't even remove to uh, show his stuff to the shop owner, uh, played by Tim the Toolman's assistant there. Uh, <laughs> the great Richard Karn. The great Richard Karn. He was uh, – also, one of the other things that kind of reigned realistic to me in, in a way was that, you know, the idea that, like, a, a, a lower-income kid would be kind of, like, skulking around a, a skate shop just looking at the boards but not be able to afford one – uh, and the, the the owner kind of being like, oh, I'm gonna kind of toss these in the in the the garbage later on, knowing the kid was probably gonna come and take the board. 
seemed it, I think he it seemed like he was trying to kind of investigate what this kid was up to. But in reality, the, the, the shop owner probably would have just given the kid the board on the spot that I could see. I can't see. And then I will adopt this child after one night of letting him crash at my skate shop. Right, right. He, he he crashes for one night and then he takes him to the to the contest. And it was also it was funny to me that it it did like it didn't occur to the kid uh, when he when he when he signed up for the contest that he had never dropped in on a ramp of that size before. Like he got to the to the coping of the ramp was like, oh, shit, uh, I guess I'm going to need to know how to do this now. And yet. He did very, very well. Did some ollies over the channel, Kevin. Maybe the Richard Karn character adopted this kid because he saw his skateboarding ability and was like, I'm going to be like an overbearing stage Yeah, m- much like uh, uh, the blind side. Like Gary Coleman's parents. I see dollar signs. He's going to mismanage all of this kid's money, spend it to relaunch the family feud so he can be the host. Yeah. <laughs> So it could be the host. That's it's it's a tale as old as time, Kevin. It's one of those one of those tropes that that, that never runs out of uh, that never runs out of steam. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to shit too much on Richard Karn, but I'm gonna shit on him a little um, <laughs> because when they relaunched Family Feud with him as the host, he seemed like a very odd choice as the Family Feud host. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, it, it certainly. I remember seeing that and thinking that guy. All right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was like, how, how'd how he get this job? That dude just does not seem like a game show host to me. Like, and not even in like a, like, he just seems like kind of a low-key character that doesn't see, you know, that, yeah, it doesn't have that game show host vibe, you know? He's not a, he's not a Greg Proops, let's put it that way. No, I think to me, for like a, a successful game show host, you either need to come off as sort of, cool and intelligent, you know, like the late Alex Trebek, or you got to be like a glad handing, like schmarmy, like showbiz phony, like Richard Dawson from family feud. (laughs) And remember when Vanna white was a cultural force? Yeah. I certainly do remember that. I had, I had a Vanna white bed. You had a Vanna white bed. You were with me when I bought it. Oh, when we went bed shopping at uh, at Filene's or wherever it was. We went bed shopping at Sears, and I wound up buying, like, the Vanna White bed. <laughs> I, like, the, the Vanna White mattress. I remember going bed shopping, and I remember the salesman being very rude and, and you saying, I'm not going to take this lying down, which you didn't actually say, but seemed like a good joke to make at this particular moment. <laughs> but I remember it was – I remember thinking it odd that – the mattress that Vanna White had her own line of mattresses. I wonder if those are like if you win a mattress on the Wheel of Fortune, you think you're you're walking home with a Vanna White brand mattress? I'm not sure. That might be nepotism. <laughs> That's how Vanna makes her money. She makes the mattresses, sells them with the Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a grift. I, I remember you know when when Wheel of Fortune switched over to like digital letters. And Vanna no longer had to even physically turn the letters around. She had to simply just touch the screen. And I remember thinking, oh, man. And that was, but it's funny. I remember thinking like, oh, man, it's going to be over for Vanna soon. And that was 25 years ago. <laughs> so I guess job security is uh, is not really something she's too concerned about. Uh, so uh, MVP, huh? <laughs> it was fun to watch. It seemed like everybody was having a good time skateboarding with those monkeys 
And apparently some of the, the stunt work was people in monkey suits. I, I kind of like looked that up and realized that so, some of the far off shots were actually people uh, dressed as monkeys. Yeah, because this was 2001. So I don't feel like CGI was quite at the point no. where it could render a skateboarding monkey in anything resembling realistic fashion. So I don't know. I mean, I think this is a... Uh, this is certainly, again, this is certainly a film that exists. It's <laughs> it's certainly a film that we watched to talk about for this podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to recommend it to anyone. I, I don't think it works as like, I know, you know, Bob Bernquist is in it, but I imagine you can see Bob Bernquist do skateboarding as good or better than what he does in here in a movie that isn't surrounded by 84 minutes of, Richard Karn adopting a wayward child. Well, right. That's the, that, that was the thing that I, that I, that I took away with, you know, when Bob Bernquist, by the time he made it onto the screen in like the last five minutes of the movie, I thought like, wow, like he really, they really did bring him in for like a brisk afternoon of shooting. And it's, it's, it's a running theme. I'm not, not sure if I've brought this up before, but one of the, one of the funniest things from the, from the skate industry uh, about skateboarders who get who, who end up on the big screen whenever they're interviewed about their experience they it, it always say it's almost like a cliche at this point where they say you know they showed up on set prepared for like you know an afternoon of you know lots of skateboarding and lots of options and they skate for eight minutes and the camera guys are like we got it and then they just go home uh, you know, uh, Rodney Mullen does some skateboarding in the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, in the in like a scene in Central Park, and he showed up. He he did like three tricks, and they were like, "We're good. See you later." And he was like ready to be there for the you know for the whole day. And uh, Rob Deirdrick said the same thing about his uh, about his one skateboarding scene in in uh, Righteous Kill, where he does a trick like off a loading dock and then rolls up to Al Pacino. And uh, Robert De Niro delivers his line and they were like, okay, you can go home. And he was like, really? That, that was it? Like, you know, it's, it's funny that those guys like the shit that they can do on command perfectly over and over again, would, you would think that the, the, the filmmakers would really, really take advantage of that stuff. But it, it, in reality, a lot of times just the very most minimal uh, tricks that they can do are, 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 uh, spectacular enough to the to the filmmaker to be like okay we're good but that's not even they haven't even like dipped into the into the well yet so yeah that's why that's why in nvp most uh, most vertical primate you get bob bernquist skating a ramp for about 35 seconds and then they move right on to the next thing to be fair no one fires up this movie hoping to see bob bernquist they're hoping to see a skateboarding monkey well, except me. <laughs> I was like, Bob Bernquist, let's, let's see what happens. And I will say, the monkey doesn't touch a fucking skateboard until 45 minutes into this thing. It's true. There's the, it's, uh, well, that's why I got the sense that it was an entire other movie. Yeah, because it's like, like, there's an awful lot of hockey in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, there's really, there is a lot of hockey going on. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the characters of the other hockey players. I thought it was fun that they all, they were all like these like cliche, like the Russian guy and the, and the former ice, ice ballet guy who like dances through the, uh, was, I had a good time. What am I going to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> we've watched uh a lot of movies 
with uh, a little bit of skateboard again. <laughs> yeah. It's been good. I don't want to say this movie has everything, but it has a lot of stuff going on. Well, look, if a movie has hockey and skateboarding and monkeys and uh, the guy from Home Improvement, I mean, that that's 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 worth the price of admission right there. And I will say of of my very small focus group, a full 66 percent of the children watching this movie were moderately entertained <laughs> they were moderately enamored 66 percent is those are numbers you can't really argue with kevin my dog seemed interested <laughs> my dog was like what's that monkey doing on that skateboard get those shoes off that monkey <laughs> thank you for listening our website is gleamingthetube.net. we're on facebook at gleaming the tube and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com production assistance by liam gray Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime.